This is the time of year where I get nervous that I'm going to catch on fire while I'm up here. But um, someone sent me a part of that. Someone sent me a gift, a family member, the other day of a scene from Friends that said, is it obvious that I'm wearing six sweaters right now? Um, And that's the truth. Uh, It's not the weight that'll come next week um, after uh, the festivities, but uh, it's it's been very cold. Um, but even that kind of adds together to this. Uh, I love that we're doing this service um, this year, um, uh, a Christmas Eve service. Um, it brings back a lot of memories as a kid of coming to Christmas Eve services and being with all my friends and watching the clock just tick slowly and slowly and slowly on. Um, and vividly remember sitting in that seat um, and watching my own father go on and on and on and on, watching the clock go on and on and on and on, and it was like Christmas would just not get here. Um, but it's fun. It's, it's all fun, uh, right? Um, and I just, it, it kind of brought to mind this principle. It seems like the closer we get to a good thing, um, the slower time goes, uh, the harder it is to get there, and it's like there, there's often just this sense of a maximum um, level of resistance that can come even to the very end, um, even when there are very good things that we hope for. Um, and I'm saying that because we're looking at this uh, Christmas Eve night uh, through the lens of the season of Advent. Advent being the, you know, this, this uh, period of time leading up to Christmas where we have been reflecting on the waiting period um, of God's people waiting for um, the Messiah to come, of longing for him to come um, um, before he actually came. Um, and today, it's kind of a weird, uh, unique time in here because Christmas Eve is like, this is the last moment. This is the last moment of waiting um, where it is almost here. Uh, we are just on the cusp of fulfillment um, of the giving of the gift um, that God had to give, but we're not quite there yet. And I think when we look at the Christmas story, um, we see this principle kind of played out, like even um, coming up to uh, to the very last minute, um, things can be challenging and unusually difficult. Um, let me just read, I want to read just the first seven verses of Luke chapter 2, uh, which will be very familiar to you to set the stage. Uh, but really what I'm going to do is just give a short reflection um, on on this day. Um, in history. I'll pull from, you can look at Matthew 1, 18 to 25, um, if you would like to. Uh, but this is uh, the account from Luke chapter 2. It says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I just kind of want us to sit in this night uh, for a little bit and take notice of these details uh, because for both Joseph and Mary, um, they had been given some really good news uh, early on about who this child was going to be. Um, they were under no illusions that this was a really good gift uh, that God had given them of how they had been included in his story. Uh, but if you, we just, it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to see in these events that go down that it's like all up until the very, very end, uh, things weren't going all that great. 
I mean, right, almost seemingly coincidentally, in the time that she was supposed to give birth, they had to uproot and they had to go and travel uh, to take care of this bureaucratic something that they probably could have done without. Uh, They get there, and there's not room for them in the inn. Um, It's like Mary's birth plan that she probably had put together wasn't really uh, panning out um, in the way that it was supposed to. Um, Even when we think about Joseph's position, if we rewind and look at the account in Matthew, then you get the sense that this was a guy who was, he's a young guy, he's getting his life put together, uh, he's got a plan, he's executing it, and he was given this good gift, uh, but at the same time, it's coming with a lot of baggage. Like, there's going to be rumors about him um, that are going to be going around probably for the rest of his life. Uh, We see evidence of that if we read forward into the Gospel of John. Um, it's like, okay, um, now I now my good plan is interrupted, and I've got now I got to deal with all this stuff um, in addition to just what I already was working on and had to deal with. And if this isn't a case where we can actually see ourselves on the pages of Scripture, I don't know what is. Uh, I want to coin the proverb that frustration precedes fulfillment. Um, And maybe that's a little bit of a a dark view on life um, for you, but I don't mean that that's there all the time. But um, this is the case. If we look at this, the biblical story um, that, you know, when when the world broke, when it broke under Adam and Eve, then what was entered in was just frustration. Things that were supposed to work didn't work. And that even the good labors that human beings, we were still supposed to do all of the mundane things we do every day. They didn't work right anymore. And they came with a whole lot of frustration. And I mean, even in our own house, we have experienced that trying to get just stuff ready for Christmas. It's like the resistance happens all the way until the last minute. Like in our house, I mean, trying to get a Christmas present in the door, a particular one that was ordered back before December, uh, didn't get resolved until today. I mean, it was just, it's just like one thing after another. And sometimes that experience of resistance and frustration Um, that can come in and come and creep in, um, at times it can kind of ruin the thing itself a little bit. Maybe I would have preferred the easier road um, and not had to deal with all of this headache um, that comes in. And so I think the first thing that this story does is it just gives us a lens of life. These are even chosen, privileged people uh, that God has picked out in his story, and it's very realistic. I think we see... Uh, that this frustration, it persists all the way until the very end, until there is actual f- fulfillment. And there's a, couple, there's a lot of things this could mean. When we think about the incarnation, especially, I mean, kids, the incarnation, it just means a time when, um, when God, fully God, uh, became fully man. He was no less God, full, you know, all God and all man all at the same time, you know, how that works. That's what that, that's what that word means. Uh, but it is a packed full thing to uh, reflect upon. And one of the ways we can look at it is that we can look at it in terms of the mundane things and how Jesus has given that meaning. Like the fact that the gift of God was given into this world, like it, one, it shows that this world is of great value. The world that is full of stuff to do and errands to run and you know tasks to accomplish, it is very, very valuable. This is the world that God came into. But it also shows that there's a whole lot of meaning to everything that happens because it is these mundane events that God is using almost like labor pains to bring the gift to fruition. And in his great sovereignty over all things, that 
all things are constantly, whether they are big or whether they are small, they are ushering in the last days of when everything will be right. When heaven and earth will be united again, everything will work as it's supposed to with no resistance. You know, even these little mundane things that we do every day, that they are in God's sovereignty, they are somehow contributing to that end. Uh, we can even think about it in terms of God's presence with us, that even in our frustration and even in our pain, um, that God is there and that we are not doing those things alone, but we are doing them with God. Like in a sense, that's how we can look at our lives from God's perspective. So to take his heavenly perspective, looking down on the world, uh, looking at what it looks like through his eyes. Uh, and that is really, really significant. But I would put before you, um, partially because this is just what's been on my mind um, in, in reflecting through this over the last couple weeks, that if we, if we do that without doing the other, uh, we kind of miss the whole thing. And that, yes, God gives us a top-down view, a view of his own sovereignty, um, looking at what, you know, regular life means. But there's also something else that it comes out even more strongly than this frustration, which is, which is the, uh, the other. It is finite people who are given a chance to look up and to see the wonder and the glory of a God who does not stay far away but who is utterly generous. He is a benevolent God. He is the great giver. He is the one that to his people who are in that place, who is beside himself to give them better things than they even hope for. And of course, I'm getting this. If we look at this story, you know, the in, these introductory details are interesting, but what they end up becoming is just the backdrop against the real good news of what actually happens. Like, we're setting up stuff in an inn, like, in our houses. Um, not because that itself was necessarily the most significant part, but because this is what, this is the context in which Jesus came. It all becomes a background that makes the true gift stand out. And then we look at Mary and Joseph from that vantage point, that they, they went through all this normal frustration, which would have been very normal, um, you might have a birth story of a similar kind with similar kinds of frustration. But they went through it, and then at the end, what were they holding? But they were holding the very person of God in human form, something they, they couldn't even understand. It was way bigger than they even could imagine that would have happened. It was God's delight that his gift would be much bigger, that it would dwarf the circumstances around the context in which the gift came. And I want to read this verse uh, from a different context in John chapter 16. Maybe it came to my mind just because of the birth narrative. But Jesus said this in John 16, 21. He says, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. And I asked my wife about this. I know this is dangerous territory for a man to stand up here and talk about what giving birth is like. So I'm not saying that from the vantage point of ever having done it, but just this is what it said here um, in the Bible. And she said, yes, that's generally a true um, sentiment. So that's what I'm going with here. But it's illustrating this, this, this same purpose, is that Jesus is promising his people that there's a whole lot of stuff that happens until the end. 
But whatever happens in the end, it is going to dwarf whatever that was. And all of those frustrations, all of those pains, all they can do is become the backdrop upon which the gift of God is made magnificent. It's like they become these big buckets. Those, that emptiness, the hardship, all those things that, that we feel. That what they become, because God is so generous, is they become buckets into which he can dump his extraordinary grace. And this is important because this verse in John 16 is this is not tied to the birth narrative. It's tied to another time of when Jesus was telling his disciples he was about to leave. So he had been born at one time and now he had to leave so that he could die and rise again. And he knew they would be in another period of waiting. But he also knew at the end of that period of waiting then their minds would be blown again because this guy that they had been following... He was crucified and died a sinner's death, and then he rose again from the dead, defeating death finally and fully into the end and was taken up into heaven, something beyond their wildest dreams. And that parallel is also a parallel for the time that we are in now, in the time when we are waiting, when we experience all of the frustration, all of the pains, all of those things in life now, is that we are waiting on him to come again. And this is not in any way to diminish any of the frustration that comes with life and the hardship that comes with it. That is is so real. But the wonder of Christmas is that God, in his most benevolent form, who gave not only a whole lot of stuff and not only a whole lot of gifts, but gave himself to his people, that this is the God we are waiting for. And that when he fully finishes the work that he is going to, he is finishing, which he will do, it will be so bright and it will be so glorious. Then it's like all of these details, they're going to be like buckets to hold it, to hold his overflowing generosity and grace that he has for this people. So this is what I want us to to ponder today. And I want to just end with this. It hit me. I was watching, uh, of course, every year. Uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol as a family tradition, which is no end of of material for illustrations. Uh, The thing that caught me was uh, Tiny Tim, who is the, he's the little boy who, um, he can't walk and he has to walk with a cane. Um, And he said that he wanted to go to the Christmas Eve service that night with his cane because he would be a physical reminder that there is one day that lame people are going to walk and that blind people are going to see. That this situation here was a picture of that which is to come. And Jesus has already come once. It is already sure. He will not wait forever. And so I put this before us all so that as we celebrate this season, that we allow just a little bit of our hearts to crack open a little bit more. So that as we follow him in faith, in obedience, It is not just out of servitude, but it is because our God is so generous that we have full reason to hope and to expect. Um, I'm going to stop there and pray for us, and then I'll continue and uh, read this next passage. Father, I want to put this uh, all before us. Would you help us to see, uh, because we need your help, uh, that we would see the, uh, the true wonder and glory of your gift that you have given us. And through that, that we would see the true wonder and glory of you, 
our most great and generous uh, benefactor, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.